to be fair, like the, the fundamentals behind any business is what hole needs filling, how can I fill it? That was a run. <laughs> So hello and welcome to the Consciously Incompetent podcast, or CI podcast for sure, if you have trouble with spelling. <laughs> My name's Josh, I'm going to be the host for this podcast today. I've got with me Tarshan and Jack, and because it's our first podcast, it's going to be a bit of a car crash, heads up. Uh, but we're going to introduce ourselves a little bit, and the topic for today, we're going to be talking about how, how COVID utterly, utterly took advantage of our business, probably in the bedroom, amongst other places. So, first, <laughs> so Jack, who are you going to introduce? Okay, so I'll introduce you because it kind of makes sense. So I was kind of thinking about how do I introduce you, but I've got a good picture in my mind of what you're like now. So picture this, Sheldon Cooper and Will Smith, they have a test tube baby, okay? So it's a little bit robotic. It doesn't really understand the emotions. It's... He kind of finds like Excel sheets a little bit erotic and, but yeah, he's athletic and has the most beautiful face I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, that's Josh in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. Jack, I'll Scarily accurate. Yeah. Jack, I'll introduce you then. So Jack was once a professional tennis player um and then he aggressively failed at that oh, wow. and so yep so became a physio and he did a master's in strength and conditioning or snc um he wants to do a phd and keeps talking about it but hasn't chosen a subject just yet i hope you get there one day mate um but that said his face has become synonymous with our project and he's been doing some great free initiatives uh, over the f- past few weeks which is great and um he's actually my best friend sorry josh um and <laughs> One thing you will notice is quite a few of our ideas probably did stem from our bandana wearing days at Casbah. Just a heads up. <laughs> that was a very, very well put together and thought that introduction. So T, Tarshan, I'm going to introduce you by describing you as approximately six foot one. Wow. Of unrelating, unrelenting, Wolf of Wall Street-esque outbound sales machine piece of chocolate loving <laughs> do you know what the funny thing is the only issue i had with that is i do sales development not sales oh, but yeah that's all oh, everything everything else that's great that's great <laughs> um as i say i'm gonna get started by talking a little bit about the business the setup where the name of the business pantheon health where it came from how the name came about before getting into the current challenges we face along with most of society and other small businesses and startups in the current times. So it makes sense to start from the beginning chronologically. Um, Jack or T, would you like to get started on talking about the name? And because I know you guys were involved before I joined you. Yeah, I'll go, I love how you go. Like, we should probably start from the beginning as if we were going to start from the end. Um, <laughs> okay, so first things first, I was obviously a physio, as Tarjan said. Um, the natural route for physios to go is down the NHS route because we were kind of funded by the NHS, all this stuff. Um, and I was like, I was a little bit different. I wanted to go a bit private. I wanted to create something that was a little bit less of the old school reactive physio and more of the proactive physio that we've tried to create. Um, and I'm a big believer in going after your passion and not what you're pushed into. So I naturally was like, okay, how can I do something that's a little bit different? 
And I decided to go down the private physio route pretty much straight away. Um, logically, it made sense for me to be a mobile physio straight away. So I was kind of thinking, okay, so how do I make this work? How do I do this? Um, and I needed to start with a name. So originally, the name was going to be Hayworth Physio. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. You can't talk about the name. Hold on. No, <laughs> no actually, wait, just, just to paint the scene. Right? God, T, preach the truth. Let him know. Jack and I, obviously, best friends since probably first year uni. Um, that's a funny story as well, actually. But yeah, so first year uni. And we always, regardless of whether it was pre's or whether it was the spoons or whether it was, you know, whilst we were at each other's houses for dinner or something, we always did talk about like, oh, we want to do business. And I, I'll be honest, I was probably talking about property because I didn't really know much of the world then. And I just watch Homes Under the Hammer, which is a cracking show. And Jack obviously always wanted to do the physio, but it's something a bit different. And um, I, I think I, I did a placement year at m &S, uh, at one of their flagship stores called Pantheon. And I just remember, I think a couple of months in, I was just really, really curious, right? Of uh, I wonder what Pantheon means. And it was called, and it, so I Googled it and it was Temple of the Gods. And I was like, oh my God. At this point, Jack and I had gone through a phase of like, we have Bandana of the Gods, Shirt of the Gods, Night Out of the Gods, right? So I was like, oh my God, it's full circle. This is it. This is it, right? Um, and I remember turning Jack. Well, Jack knew that the thing was called Pantheon, like the store. And in my head, I was like, do not tell him because he'll Pantheon Physio sounds better than Hayworth Physio, which is what he wanted to go with. And I, in my head, I was like, I've got it. Pantheon property. Nailed it. No one's going to touch me. Boom. Done. And then I got and then I got the call. Right. So I was walking home from work, answered it. And Jack's like, T, hear me out. And I was like, it's happening. Yeah, go on, Jack. Go on. And he's like, Pantheon Physio. And I was like, let me go on the train. and We'll talk about it. And uh, yeah, I think then I think we had like a, a synthesis of our ideas and um, I, I we share Pantheon now. But um, before he <laughs> before he claims that he came up with the name, this is going to be a running theme with Jack. He will reword our ideas and go, whoa, that was me. That was that was me. Just a heads up. But um, yeah, you know, that was me. Yeah. You know, if you ever needed a, a really, really good drinking game to get absolutely <laughs> sloshed listening to this podcast, just identify the times where we put forward an idea and Jack rewords it, repackages it, passes it off as his own. Yo, Guarantee you'll be in for a great night. Part of the podcast where you take the piss out of me. I knew this would happen. I literally knew you'd have this secret plan just to ruin me every time I spoke. Here we go. Every, world's against Jack. Here we go. Right. Oh, a little violin. Right? Here we are. World's smallest violin. You know what's funny about that story, though, is because I remember... The river just outside. Thanks for crying it for me. <laughs> but, like, with that story, yeah, I remember I had to prep you because as soon as you said Pantheon, I was like, I know 100% I'm going to name. And I remember I took you to Spoons a few days before that talk. And I was like, Buttering oh, my God, you up. let me pay for everything. Oh, my God, let me just buy everything. And I was just like, it needs to, it needs to, it needs to have the same first letter. And you were like, that's a really good idea. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what it could be. <laughs> so i prepped it and that's how it went <laughs> yeah i just i just i just remember the moment that i googled pantheon was probably for the three of us the moment it was like a big bang like it's happening um but then jack like early stages pre-josh right uh, we, we, we got a decent start to be fair like i remember the whiteboards and is this the direction you thought we were heading I mean, it's an interesting one because I think with when it was me and you, because we had this best friend thing going on and Josh was just a mere muggle at the time. Um, 
we like, every time we met up it would start like you know let's have a proper brainstorming session and I think we you know I'm the excitable puppy you were a little bit more logical but still an excitable puppy and we almost just needed to be reined in a little bit so the idea was going well we were doing well but we kind of realized that we need some form of structure we need some form of accountability for everything we do um chatting to different people and then oh who who comes to mind my dear friend Josh who we used to go out together at Casbah. It was so weird because I remember the story. We were at a house party together, and I always knew Josh as the nightmare who got drunk and was drunk. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we'd jump <laughs> off ledges, like, get literally, lost in foreign cities. Like, oh, that's literally how I remember him. And then I remember he was really drunk, and he started talking to me like, Jack, I just want to I just wanna go private and then start my property business. I was like, oh, my God, he's one of us. One of us. <laughs> And then arrange the meeting, and then Josh can kind of talk from there, like what happened. Mm. So, yeah, that's essentially what I was doing in the background. I was doing my own little bit of business planning. I had plans in terms of property investment and things like that. I had my life mapped out in terms of earning the money as a physiotherapist in the NHS before taking on my own endeavours. And just after university, just started working. Jack pops up to me and goes, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? That's lovely. That's fantastic. Did you Would you like to Jack go for a coffee sometime? Let's have a catch up. I'm like, oh, sure, sure thing, Jack. Go for a coffee with you. No problem. Let's have a bit of a catch up. I walk walk into the university, health and life sciences building, spot Jack sat sat down at the table, looking very professional, laptop out on the table. I sit down on the chair, go, how you doing, mate? Can I, and Jack goes, can I get you anything? Can I get you a coffee? I was like, of course you can. Thank you very much. Appreciate <laughs> that very much. That's lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Ten minutes in, I'm like, okay. This seems like a bit of an interview. Is a what are what are you doing? What have you been up to? Where are you going? What are your goals? Where do you aspire to be? And we're having we're having this chat. It's quite enlightening. Learning a bit about what you've been up to, Jack. Um, what you're aiming, what you were trying to build, where your vision was. And that's when you started to pose the question. It's like, is this something you want to be involved with? And of course, I was like, show me the splits. Show show me the money. How's this going to work out if I do get involved? And <laughs> Fortunately, we decided to come to the table and become co-founders of Equal Standing and then have our meetings together, have our brainstorming sessions together. Me being the bit of a robot that I am was getting everything down on paper and created an absolute monster of a business plan template. must have been like five, six, seven, eight pages long of detailing every single aspect (laughs) of this proposed physiotherapy franchise business we were going to put across turns out we haven't quite used any of it yet (laughs) (laughs) lessons learned you know we we live and we learn we move forward um but we've been doing that slowly ramping up um, our presence on social media slowly increasing the amount of physiotherapy work we're doing in practice over the prevailing seven eight months um, which essentially brings us up to about i want to say Two, three months ago, we were really planning, ramping up for our first physical clinic, first brick and mortar clinic we're going to set up. We had this new brand of physiotherapy, this new proactive approach, building in strong links with strength and conditioning to give realistic long-term solutions solutions and fixes for people and preventative opportunities to learn, get fit and be educated so the problems don't happen in the first place. And lo and behold... The world decides to end. Society collapses. Oh my god! I remember pandemic. I remember <laughs> right. We were 
we are what six weeks away no yeah six weeks away from like getting all the lawyers happy getting the paperwork signed but no money had been passed right and i remember jack and i went to have have a, have a chat with one of the potential venues right and i remember saying oh by the way there's some sort of pandemic happening and we were just like pandemic, pandemic. Like, what, what you <laughs> I, just, I just remember like going back to josh and be like i've had a cold that. before yeah, I was like, we we nailed that discussion. Honestly, don't worry about it. Let's go for dinner, kind of a thing. And then uh, a week later, uh, I, well, I was in Paris, and their lockdown had d- just started. And I remember my parents were like, "Oh, we should probably go back to to London, you know, that shine down." And I was just like, "But I wanted to stay here." Like, I probably had a, a had a assault, very uncharacteristic, I know. Um, but yeah, we what a moment when when we realized that um we had to uh throw everything away yeah so as we slowly slowly but surely began to realize that the world was sort of crumbling around us but this was pre-quarantine effects you know it was just kicking off in china there were rumblings over here and it spread to spain and that sort of thing um sort of approached you guys and i was like right we need to have a disaster disaster planning meeting because if this kicks off, me already being working in the National Health Service as a physiotherapist mm-hmm. and being very much on the front lines and redeployed onto the ward as a respiratory physiotherapist, seeing the effect this was having on people at the earlier stages and how yeah, hospitals yeah. were planning and projecting things would go. I was like, right, we need to do a disaster planning session, figure out our best and worst case scenarios, our best case scenario being utterly, um, utterly conservative regardless anyway and see what we can do and i remember we were sitting there and we we're like right t what's your worst case scenario that was probably the frankest conversation that i think i've had in front of you two anyway because obviously you, you you think your internal thoughts right but i just remember at that point like ADO had just been acquired by episode which is obviously huge and exciting for us for part of our journey and my immediate fear was, okay, what is the worst case scenario? And it, obviously, I have flashbacks to what you heard about in 2008. Obviously, I was too young to really understand what was going on. But in hindsight, you study it, and I'm like, I could be out of a job here. Like, honestly, worst case scenario, the economy could, and I'm out. And I was just like, am I, am I ready for that? You know, I, I've got commitments, that month, monthly commitments of, you know, bills, whatever. I was like, oh, am I ready for this? And then, obviously, I think Jack had a huge moment i think on that call as well like for you everything changed overnight yeah i mean it's a weird one because initially i was like okay like how long is this thing gonna last obviously the the first thing was like okay we're gonna do three weeks and i was like okay we can kind of like power through three weeks uh it was a frustrating time though because it was literally the time where we started to use some of our like best marketing tools you know we, we're as Tarjan said like six weeks away from a clinic we're starting to get almost influencers on board and we were in a, such an exciting time and then papow this happens and obviously the first thing in my mind is like i'm going to have no money um and like yeah. like physio the, especially the approach we're going for was a face-to-face hands-on approach where we do stuff to people and we help them and then suddenly it's like you can't see other people or you have to stay two meters away and i was like can't do my job from two meters away um yeah so i was like shit like what what am i gonna do like I think in my in my position off the back of that, it's yeah. like just in contrast to yours, it's like I was almost screaming and singing and dancing about oh a recession is coming, like winter is coming for like a good a good number of months beforehand. I was like, winter is coming, it's gonna happen. There's gonna yeah. be so much opportunities. We're gonna there's gonna be opportunities for us to buy and da 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 da. 
And then it's almost like the reality comes, even though my job just turned into the most stable one in the world because it was in the NHS outside yeah. of Pantheon, that the prevailing effect on the wider economy and yourself, Jack, and people like yourself in your position still limits and prevents the opportunities that you can access. It's yeah. like you, your access to finances, your access to funding, talks with any sort of prospective clinic site dried up. And everything grinds to a halt at that point, doesn't it? Yeah, and you've got to bear in mind as well, like at this stage, there was no announcement of what self-employed people were going to do. Like there was literally, yeah. we didn't know anything. We didn't know if we were going to get any form of money. And then when it was announced, it was still like, you have to have been trading for three years or along those lines of to prove what you're earning, basically. So the only option for me was like universal credit, which is like in reality a nothingness when you're when you go from like a really steady wage to nothing mm-hmm. and then straight away as well you start to panic because like literally we're, we're going to get a clinic we've got like pretty much a full client base yeah and then it goes from all to nothing and you're like well how do you deal with that like how how can you con- like contextually deal with that in your head of going mm-hmm. from a full client base to nothing and it's not like you've done anything wrong it's just a completely external thing that's gone on um but i think talking to you guys you made it clear that in reality i think josh will probably lead on from this like it's the mindset of what you do in panic situations yeah absolutely and i think that we eventually came to some form of balance but at the time i was very very much a be greedy when others are fearful kind oh, of yeah, i remember i remember you said I was, that enough. and oh. i'm i'm relatively i have a side interest in the financial markets and the wider macroeconomic view and i knew the implication of it breaking out in china before it even traveled overseas and the effect on the supply lines that was going to have how that was going to affect affect companies over here and how that's going to affect stock prices and that sort of thing and i thought from since 2008 we were well overdue a recession anyway in terms of natural market cycles and general market psychology um so it was almost like the writing was on the wall and it was like well this is it this is going to do it this is opportunity i was thinking right we'd already bartered and decided this sort of price with the clinic and the people who own that site but now we have leverage now there's reduced competition now other clinics might not be able to operate x y and z maybe we can get in here but i think fundamentally what it's essentially turned out and what i've learned is that there's a reason that they're not surviving and for us to get in and then start surviving without the same level of client base that they would have, which they've then struggled to continue operating at, it was a different ballgame. Yeah, I, I was I was interjecting earlier, but essentially I remember when you said that, and I saw what the angle you came in, but I just remember going, oh no, it's not the right kind of, you can't just go zero to 100, mm. back to zero to back to 100, right? And I think this is where, and I'm glad that we've been doing this, we kind of focused on getting our house back in order. So, for example, okay, cool. The clinic at the moment off the table, obviously, for obvious reasons. What's going to happen next? And then we started looking at like the fundamentals of our of our operations, right? How are we running? Where are our costs coming out of? Where is Jack spending his time at the moment? And I think one of the best decisions, well, no, one of the best things I think I mentioned to you guys is the importance of brand equity. So, in my opinion, right, brand equity right now is probably the most like beneficial and probably sexiest current currency at the moment you see it's plastered all over linkedin right and what why that is is once this is all over once we've gone to whatever the new normal is or whether we go back to what we had before 
I know full well, having been in recruitment, as as a as a, someone who wants to join a company, the, the questions I'm going to ask them are, what's your culture like at the moment? What's your team like at the moment? Oh, right. When COVID happened, how did you treat what staff? Did you do? What was your response? Because yeah. if you just absolutely sliced your whole team there and then, like, take the floor on their feet and <laughs> move on, like, it's not for me. I imagine uh, to, to a certain extent, is that partially why you're seeing so many companies happy and readily willing to step up and say produce produce masks for the nhs or donate x amount of services or do x y and z for free as well as the natural sort of societal responsibility they're building brand equity from a business point of view it has value yeah i mean look if you have the resources and if you have an owner a business owner willing to reassign resources to help the nation brilliant fantastic but i think this is probably the negativity in me or the skepticism in me like you know you give and you take right and what they're going to take even if it isn't like pounds or sheer currency what they're going to see is extra likes extra engagement like okay for example think about weatherspoons right weatherspoons are rich enough right to to pay their stuff out i forgot the scandal that happened but essentially long story short they didn't pay some staff who were leaving and now everyone i've seen on twitter and again could just be my following but essentially they're like oh we can't go to weatherspoons now they treat their stuff like shit. Da, 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 da. see that will never happen that will literally never happen everyone <laughs> will be like oh my god i hate spoons and then they'll be like oh fancy pint yeah strong yeah, enough but, yeah. but it's the fact that before this right that wouldn't have even crossed my mind spoons yeah, yeah of course yeah of course whereas now yeah. i'm just like uh, I will probably, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, boo, Tasha, yeah. boo. So e- even if it doesn't happen on a wider scale, the fact yeah. that it's now a question or it's in the forefront of your mind or in the forefront of some people's mind is a damage to sentiment, is a damage yeah. to attitudes towards the brand. And yeah, and this is where I think for us, the brand equity, fortunately, we had Jack who, in terms of front end, right, in terms of becoming synonymous with our brand has been a huge help because I think the, one of the first decisions we all agreed on after an initial debate was everything we deliver now during this pandemic is free. You know, people are going to struggle for money. People should be spending their money on feeding themselves, feeding their kids, paying whatever bills. Like I know there's other schemes, but you don't really want to be on them, right? They should not be thinking, oh, I've got this injury. Should I, should I sacrifice 30 quid this week? for to recover or should i just you know deal with it and and try feed myself for instance um it doesn't yeah, have jack, to be how, that choice how hard was it or was it easy jack in terms of going yeah everything's free i think it's an interesting one because i think when like initially obviously you talked about like back end getting the back end in mm. and i was like oh great but like what does that mean for me because ultimately you know this was my full-time job this is how i earn my money um but then why are you clapping at me I didn't. Oh, I heard a clap. Um, you don't work at the NHS. You don't get claps, lad. <laughs> um, wow. Um, but yeah, like as soon as as soon as you mentioned the free idea, I was skeptical. I was like, but I don't get any money. And I think obviously, as I started to grow and as I started to understand, I was like, ultimately, look, I was in a position where I don't have any outgoings like these two. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have external bills. Well, I have some stuff, but nothing crazy that I couldn't afford. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, it was that time to show true value to people. I think there's, as you've said, there's a lot of companies who are trying to do the same and you kind of, you're a bit skeptical over their motives, but this was like, this was the almost the earliest, earliest idea of Pantheon when it's 
we want to add value to people like we yeah. want to actually make these people better and yet obviously we have to earn a living but this was our perfect opportunity mm-hmm. in a way to improve people's lives and they didn't have to pay us anything so we not only did the like physio consultations for free we did fitness plans for free all tailored to each people nutrition plans for free mm-hmm. started to get advice from our colleagues and liaise with yeah. people who were professionals in the mental health service and like it just it, it changed everything. I think people the response we got was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think following that we kind of started to look more into the mental health because I think as it went on, and I don't know if you boys found this, like everyone at the start it was like, oh yeah, it's cool. Like we're gonna be in lockdown for a week. Oh okay, it's two weeks now. Oh it's three weeks. And then it started to go on, and you started to notice, okay, like people are starting to develop this stuff. You start to see more Instagram stories that are saying, I'm really struggling, and. In reality, the last thing you want to do when there's a pandemic about is go to your your GP and be like, I'm struggling with my mental health. Because first of all, I think a lot of people don't take it seriously as they should. And secondly, there's a pandemic, so you don't want to go into somewhere where it's right. Mm. So that was the next step. I think I'll add to that one. Thirdly, a lot of the services were just straight up cancelled. I know from personal experience, literally working as an MSK physio in outpatients that we just cancelled all the appointments, cancelled the department, apart from the most urgent cases with severe red flag sort of symptoms. Everything was scaled back and everybody was redeployed onto the wards and relevant discharge services. services. So things for your general population who are still well and still out in society and still out in the community, they will have lost a great amount of support that might have existed pre, um, pre-quarantine or pre-pandemic and even then i suppose there's an argument for to question the level of support that was even present then because there were great pushes in the community to improve the level of mental health support and things already yeah no yeah i completely agree with everything you said i think it was it was a big area for us and it was something we wanted to focus on and not necessarily us offering the advice but at least I think the big thing is no one knew where to go. Yeah. Like literally, I know so many people were talking about it and it was kind of like people use social media to vent. And in a way, they didn't actually know what to do with their emotions. They didn't know that it was a normal feeling that they were getting. Um, so I think it was a great idea. We we started to signpost people and then we actually did a week of the Instagram lives, as you boys know. And we basically got a great demographic of people from all different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We had GB yeah. athlete, we had you know students at the minute and then finally it led up to speaking to a doctor on the final day and i think that was one of the things that was i don't know it was one of the most exciting things we actually did because there was so much value we added to people like mm-hmm. there was so much legitimate value we added mm. and then and then yeah from there it's it's kind of continued we're continually giving great advice to people i was and thinking if, if i can oh, i was just going to say um if i can pull it back from there so we've done what we can given the current conditions and we've done what we can to support people on an everyday basis. Where do you boys see us being able to operate or not operate or where the challenges might be for us as private physiotherapists in pri- the private healthcare system or industry in the mid to long term? How do you see things going? Do you see any trends? Do you have any expectations? yeah okay so from my point of view i think there was there was two trains of thought there was the thought of after a pandemic logically there's going to be a big incentive for health like people are going to think okay 
what who, what type of people have struggled in this pandemic it was a lot of people with predisposed issues like there's going to naturally be a big push for healthcare however the economy's fine or the economy will be fine. it's like you've got to balance up the two will physio especially like the area we're specifically experts in mm. will that be a priority for people if they've got a niggle in their back mm. for me i know 100% paying 30 quid a week or whatever wouldn't be my top priority yeah so I've, I've got a bit of a counterpoint to that, and I think it's an interesting discussion point. It's something that I've noted just from being in the NHS is that I, I agree with you. I think that will happen. And typically, if you still need the help, you still need the services, you've got this raging chronic low back pain that needs to be addressed or whatever the issue may be. You would then ideally go to use NHS services. You want to get booked in, you want to get seen, you want to get it fixed. And obviously it's free at the point of delivery, free at the point of need. That's the beauty of our health service. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing is that because of the risk of infection, some of the changes that are happening in the NHS is that everything is going towards telehealth, they call it. So it's going to phone calls, it's going to physiotherapy, literal assessments and treatments via webcam. Now, I would suspect knowing the general public and how I feel as a physiotherapist having to treat this way and whether I feel I'm going to be effective or not, that a lot of people are going to feel left out. They're going to feel like they're not getting treatment. They're going to feel like they don't benefit. There's a lot of room for miscommunication via the telephone calls. So they may still be persuaded to then pay for some private health support just to get some quality face-to-face therapy input though though i see though i see the angle right i see i see what you're saying my my big question was okay come christmas time last year the three of us i remember the moment because again i was in paris when we had this discussion where we went we're ready for a clinic like why we be around the bush here for me personally and i know jack josh we were excited we had designs drawn out we had god we even had the wall art like pretty much almost ready to order for me clinics off the table for the rest of the year at least um why is that even if there is a demand right even if there is a demand for what we're going to do i just don't i think the uncertainty in terms of income in terms of people coming to us how much money they're going to have because of the economy i just personally won't feel comfortable knowing that we've got as a business an outgoing in terms of that rent for example like the 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 wage that i'm being paid at i'm so grateful for but that's enough to keep me going in terms of what i want you know going out with friends you know paying for everything that i'm doing do i really want another commitment on top of that especially so soon after or well i mean we're living in it now but looking back on it soon after a pandemic Mm. probably not and i mean in answer to your original question for me short to long term or medium to long term even though there will be a potentially a demand spike for face-to-face consultations clinics off the table as far as i'm concerned mm. for this year I it's interesting it's, oh go on jack i was just gonna say i think it's an interesting balance in terms of the, the clinic continuity because the, there's the there's the thought process of that ultimately it was already a risky like to a point it was already yeah, yeah. the idea yeah we had a great client base yeah we were developing a lot of things and we had loads of good ideas yep. but you've got a lump sum of money coming out of your account every single month bearing in mind the actual physio part is also my job so i have to take a salary from that 
then the cut that everyone's getting is a lot smaller. I mean, you, you could work for free. I mean, you could. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but like, and I'll live on a strict diet of air and grass dew. Morning <laughs> grass dew. Well, isn't that his vegan diet anyway? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I thought we were keeping away from that, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, so that was the first train of thought. Um, but then there's also the the weird feeling of when you put so much effort into something we work so hard and probably we're one of the quickest growing client bases out there initially we did so so well and then you're like okay so we've got an amazing client base and then we're just going to cut all ties with the client base and then like what what happens from there like there's almost that thing inside of you that has that emotional attachment like at the end of the day like we've all discussed this this was our baby this was our thing that was going to you know, it was going to make a difference. And then suddenly, okay, we're in a different climate. We can't do a cl- like a clinic anymore. Like, and you're losing so many clients. It, yeah. It's that emotional attachment, I you've, think. You've, yeah, you've de- and I think more than emotional, you've got the literal sort of sunken cost fallacy, as it were. Yeah. Whereas it turns out to be that we've literally spent money, quite a lot of money, and invested our resources, invested our time and our into this thing well. already. Yeah, so a lot has already gone into it. And I think the more you you put into a thing anywhere in life, the harder it is to walk away and to step out. I think that's across the board, whether whether you want to talk about relationships, where you want to talk about business ventures, whether you want to talk about what you've decided to study at university and found out it's not for you or your job, whether you want to move to a different career, et cetera, et cetera. It's the idea that because we'd put so much in, it almost plays into us not wanting to walk away and wanting to see it through to not see those resources wasted. Yeah, but then, but then this... Sorry, go on, Jack, you go, mate. I was going to say, I think there's that, but then there's also the fact that I think w- what kind of... I don't know, what kind of changed my mind a little bit was the fact that it's not necessarily lost. Like, it's not something that you can't revisit. It's not something that is not going to be applicable in a year's mm-hmm. time. Like, yes, time's going to change a little bit, but it's not something that we can't revisit. That is the ultimate like behind how I think it's it's easier in a way to let something go that you've almost got like on simmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the door's fully shut, then that's a really emotional time. But when it's, it's the door's like kind of slightly open, so we can still mm. visit. Uh, so it's almost not mm. as I don't know. It's not like in terms just, in terms of your client base, you would run the risk of losing that client base because no. they're going to need therapy input elsewhere true but then but then there's the whole if you've got strip it all the way back to brand equity right so we haven't just like burned that bridge we haven't stopped talking to them jack's still been like consulting them online doing the services exercises i think he's even been writing workout plans based off the equipment they have at home so it's not we're not expecting you to have every weight that you would have at a gym right we've been flexible we've been adaptable and that door that you were talking about jack of you know keeping on simmer all we're doing is slowly going to reopen that door, but just every time we're going to hit a bit of brand equity into it, a bit of brand equity into it, and eventually it will be open again. We will have that confidence to go back. But I think right now, like this this client base that you're talking about, consider it a network. For us, right, in terms of the three of us, the network that we have, I think we kind of under under 
play it sometimes because in terms of the athlete perspective right the amount of people that we've got on paying non-paying doesn't matter right we have so many people that we're in touch with that are interested in how we're doing things this whole disruptive element of what we're bringing in this is this is what they want to see they're the right demographic and then on the flip side if we look at even on the corporate corporate uh, way which is what we were heading the point of the clinic was half of the income was actually meant to be coming from corporate contracts we are very fortunate to be having the conversations that we're having with business owners with you know um industry leaders going hey guys i mean as the podcast is literally titled we are in consciously competent please help us in the <laughs> right direction mm-hmm. and this is why like i don't think the clinic dream is over i think mm-hmm. it's definitely shot for this year do not get me wrong but I think this is just us refocusing on something else. So we've mm. we've worked on our back end, getting the house in order. Very pretty, great migration. Well done. Pat on the back. But then now we just start talking. We start mm. networking with an intent, right? Yeah. Some of the conversations we've had this week, fair play, like mm. the Saturday, or so yesterday, and then all, all obviously last weekend, the chats that we've had, fantastic. And I think essentially what it all came down to for the three of us is being able to quantify the risk, being able to analyze the various factors, including our own income at the moment and what it would do to us financially to take the leap of faith and what our expected returns are and the period of time required to achieve those expected returns. And then we have to decide as a three what our appetite for that risk is or if there are smarter plays involved. And I think that's what we're moving on to and what we have decided to do is that we've identified the needs that we needed to pivot what we were doing. We still need to find ways, as you were saying, of building that brand equity. We still needed to find ways to get out there and help people proactively and deliver education and be able to affect and improve lives. But we needed to find a different vertical or vertical or different verticals or different vectors of access to the general public. Even before that, like we didn't actually have verticals before covid right we had we had, we had our, yeah we had our persona right yeah. which is like a term that i learned what a year ago with my with my <laughs> sales development role but like the the during this time the importance of focus has come into play like we have to be specific and unsure. i know we want to be fluid i know we want to you know be all catering but sometimes you just need to get good at something you can't be a jack of all trades right you need to be Master really good none. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We need to really focus on that. And I think with our network in particular, look at elite sport, look at the corporate world. What we are doing now, what we need to make that commitment for, and I'm glad that we agreed this is, we need to spend time learning. What do they need right now? We can't guess. We can't assume. Go and ask them. Go ask Um, your network. What do you need right now? And then we turn around and go, does it look like this? (laughs) Here it is for free. Our value comes in feedback. And I think that sounds like Naturally, that sounds great from your perspective and coming from your position and is definitely palatable coming from my position just because I've got that sense of security. But with my full time job, but I imagine it's another kettle of fish for you, Jack. What would you think? I mean, there's again, I always have two trains of thought because that's just how I run. (laughs) Um, Like, obviously, initially, I'm thinking, okay, my full time income is no longer going to be a thing. It's not necessarily off the table, bear in mind, like I've still got time to treat people in a mobile fashion yet that isn't going to be the main thing i'm focusing on anymore it is difficult in a way to 
I know obviously we're not going to be specific about a pivot, but leave a profession behind that you've been so passionate towards. Um, and I think that was the initial thing that I thought. But then on the on the other side is like, I have a certain skill set. I've worked with an elite sport. It won't be hard for me to get some form of locum job, like working in the NHS, working in some form of sporting environment. It won't be that hard. I can have a consistent income for a period of time. And then when you're developing that consistent income and on the side working on our specific, you know, new pivot, I don't know. I find that an, an acceptable risk. I find that an acceptable kind of change yeah. for me. You know, ultimately when the first thing I ever said to Tarjan was like, like we want to make a big difference. I like, it's great seeing 25 clients a week and helping each individual. And you know, you are making a difference. However, yo, like, let's, let's put it into perspective. There's what, 7 billion people on the planet. And I'm not saying we're going to reach out to all of them, but you want to be making a, like a chunk or a, a, a pivot Absolutely. into that. And you want to, yeah. yeah, a very slow one, but you want to at least try to reach out to that bigger yeah. audience so you can truly make a difference instead of, instead of, yeah, instead of just yeah. affecting individuals. It, it depends where you're, the scope of your ambition at the end of the day. Mm. And I think where... We're, it's really difficult because we're having to talk around what we've spoken about, what we want to do, because we haven't yeah. done it yet. Yeah. And naturally, naturally putting that out in the world and in public isn't in our best interest, as you can imagine. But yeah, please, still anything we've just said. Yeah, but what we're planning to do changes the scope and the number of people we can get in front of. And fundamentally, it does that on a proactive basis, which ultimately we hope and will, will lead to having a larger impact on society as a whole. And have a, a larger, more positive impact on their lives. Yeah, the, the magic is we've kind of established what's missing um, mm. as a three. And we established that a while ago. But now we're just being very specific of how we're going to get into that. And we are not giving them a playbook that we've made. We've asked them, what are you missing? How can we help you fill that knowledge gap, whatever gap it is? And, uh, so close to the line right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's an important still... one for listeners to know, because at the end of the day, what we've done like actively is about of in-field market research to identify the needs of the market. So if you're interested in your business, fundamentally, that's what we're talking about. We got out there, we used our network, we went to the relevant people in the relevant industries, we found out what they needed, what they wanted, and we tried to figure out a way and put together a formula where we can strategically deliver that. And yep. that's what we've had to do to reevaluate the current change in demands based on the pandemic. To be fair, like the, the fundamentals behind any business is what hole needs fill in? How can I fill it? That was such a run. I love it. And to be honest, I, th I think that's a fantastic oh, yeah, I conclusion. <laughs> I think that that's literally it. If you want to know business, find a hole that needs filling. Fill it. <laughs> But make sure you that's fill it in a in a in a special fill, way, right? Fill it well. Take fill out for dinner. Yeah, take out for dinner. Learn, <laughs> learn what they want. Learn well, what you, makes them. You've got to fill it like no one else can. Yeah, you got to you be unique to be in your filling. Yeah, because there's <laughs> no there's no in your filling. there's no like, quick shortcut to success, right? You need you need to be firm. You need to oh, yeah. take your time. Take you your know, time. Cater to <laughs> cater to the needs of your market. You know. Yeah, all of that. Shout out um, Casbah's smoking area. <laughs> um, what I'd like to do, um, we may keep this segment in, we may not, but to wrap up the podcast, we've got the totally uncalled for commentary section on the latest news, things like that, um, <laughs> where we can give you the opinions that you never wanted to hear in the first place. So 
Uh, boys, what do you think Boris Johnson's latest announcement is going to be about this coming 7pm today? How, right, do you, so, how do you see the government's moves so these being guys, taken forward? These guys listening would know what the announcement was. And, <laughs> and can laugh at us. <laughs> so they're just going to essentially go, these guys know fuck all. But, these, guys, these guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, Jack, we are consciously incompetent. Ha, ha. <laughs> go on, Jack, what do you reckon uh, Big BJ's going to say? It's, it's a weird one. I'm... I love the train of thought that it almost needs to just open up to inter-family kind of seeing each other. That That's like the only step I can see him taking. Obviously, maybe start to think about construction industry and the industrial industry, that kind of vibe, going back to work, jobs that can't be done Some of those have already home. returned, haven't they? Your have Travis they? Perkins and things like your suppliers have opened up to, yeah, on a no. free basis. Maybe but they're just going to take that to a new level then. Maybe yeah, they're just going to yeah. go to the next natural level. I was gonna um, say Wick Stephanie is not doing delivery to yeah. the house. I mean, I'd like to I'd like to think that they won't do anything rash. Like this would be such a stupid time to just go, yo, everyone go party. Um because that, I hope that doesn't yeah. happen. I hope oh. and I, they're not stupid. They understand that everything needs to be done in a gradual graded way. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I think, think to build off that point, Jack, specifically, I think they're already and have been for the past two or three weeks easing restrictions yeah. without the public announcements. I think since the initial quarantine, I don't think it's a case of people just going out because they're getting tired, although it will be an element of that. Mm-hmm. I think genuinely behind closed doors, like you've had B&Q open up who were yeah. closed initially. Somebody must have told them it was okay for them to open up select stores as long as they have certain restrictions. And yeah. I think those orders come from the top. And what you do, because they've been very, very slowly and gradually opening certain shops and opening certain stores and allowing certain services to carry on, you're getting the public going out to these shops and reintegrating in society and having contact with each other at a very, very gradual rate. Yeah. Although you're not overtly letting society know, yeah, you can go back to having contact with each other because that will definitely result in your second peak, second spike. Josh, yeah, so I think you, even before this announcement, it's already been happening. Yeah, Josh, did you just break the glass for everyone? I say all three people who are listening to this um, and have listened to this. You've just made them go, the world's gone back to normal. Yeah, all done. It's right. already happening. Well, it's weird because like I order an Indian takeaway every Saturday night. And I've been trying to do that for the last six weeks. And this is the first week that it's been open. Mm-hmm. So someone's told them that they can exactly. open up. What a reliable source, Jack. That, that is reliable. Hey, if you want to know what's going on on the on on the ground with the troops, with the boots on the ground, yeah. go to your local yeah. takeaway. Yeah. See how they're operating. They know everything. Yeah, um, Obviously, I'd like to underscore that with I am consciously incompetent. I do not know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not involved with the government at all. And even though I work in the NHS, we all essentially have the same information as the general public if you're willing to go onto the BBC website and .gov website. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what someone who works for the government would say. They won't go like, oh my God, I've done this thing. Does he even work for the NHS? Yeah. That's been a lovely chat, boys. Delight. Quite enjoyed this podcast. We didn't blow up, didn't swear at each other too much or fall out like last time. <laughs> no, no, to be fair, last time Jack right, he was prodding at me, and I knew he was prodding at me, and I may have said that he was trying to be a persona. But you know, <laughs> here we are. We tried again. Um, everyone yeah. seems to be happier. Um, to be fair, 
wasn't too bad. Like, because I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's been good. So same, thank you to same. everyone who's been listening. Oh, yeah, all, yeah. all two or three of you. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm on radio now. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can find some other topics, we're probably going to be back a little bit later on. Check out our social medias at pantheon.health for the latest updates. And we'll keep you posted on when the next podcast is coming. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors until any the government says otherwise. <laughs> Peace. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>